You're listening to A Deeper Dive. Hear about game-changing ocean projects and the incredible people making them happen. Good morning. My name is Andy Stone, and I'm the Intellectual Property Manager and Technology Leadership Program Manager at Canada's Ocean Supercluster. Today, I'm particularly excited to also be here as your host of Episode 4 of the Ocean Supercluster's podcast called A Deeper Dive. I've been part of the Ocean Supercluster journey for some time now. While today we have 50 projects approved and a robust pipeline of project ideas, I can certainly remember a time when we were just getting started when we were building the foundation to do something transformational in ocean technology. Today, the momentum we are feeling is significant. And as projects are activated, we're beginning to see early milestones, impacts, and benefits from the work of the cluster and its members. Since we're reflecting a bit here on how far things have come, I can't think of a project more fitting to zero in on today than Ocean Vision. Ocean Vision was a supercluster's breakout project, the very first, and has been underway for about a year and a half now with a team that I have had the opportunity to work closely with along the way. Joining me today is Dave Shea, Senior Vice President of Engineering with Kraken Robotics. Dave will bring us up to speed on some of the exciting work, milestones and opportunities that are unfolding through the Ocean Vision Project. Dave, welcome and thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Dave, there's a lot to get into here, but before we do, Tell us about the Ocean Vision Project, how it all got started, and your role in it. Absolutely. So the Ocean Vision Project, as Andy mentioned already, was the first project approved through the Ocean Supercluster. Uh, Kraken Robotics has been a member from the in the Supercluster since the beginning. We were one of the founding uh, members there. And, and Ocean Vision is really an opportunity to uh, prove out a new business model for Kraken, but also an opportunity to have some cross-sectoral collaboration in an area of cutting-edge ro underwater robotics and cutting-edge seabed survey. So the main purpose of Ocean Vision is to explore both robotics as a service and data as a service. So moving away from our traditional business models of selling products into the defense sector primarily, but really expanding into commercial opportunities and not just in the classical oil and gas that everyone thinks about when they're talking about offshore survey and underwater robotics, but really leveraging the cross-sectoral components of the supercluster and opening up opportunities to collaborate with commercial fishing companies, with regulators, government agencies, with defense organizations, and with commercial offshore oil and gas companies. So Kraken Robotics is the founder and the lead participant in the Ocean Vision Project. Uh, our scope within the project is to build and operate a number of our underwater robotic systems, as well as developing some new cutting edge acoustic and optical sensors. And deploying all of these robots and these sensors, primarily in Atlantic Canada, in the offshore between the Grand Banks and, and off of Nova Scotia, to collect a substantial amount of seabed data, using these robots to both increase the volume and the quality and the resolution of data that we're able to get, but also drastically reduce the number of people that are required to go offshore, reducing the size of the vessel that's required to deploy all these robots, and ultimately reducing the risk uh, to acquire this data. So thanks, Dave. As the lead for this project, tell us in general terms, 
what ocean challenges the project addresses and the opportunities it presents across ocean sectors? So the ocean is by far the most challenging environment we have to operate sensing systems in on this planet or really on any planet, to be honest. Uh, going to space, you're talking about one atmosphere, you're talking about 14 PSI, you have great communication, you have high bandwidth, long latency, but high bandwidth communications. Uh, it's relatively straightforward to put, put up satellites, put things into space. Going into the ocean, you're talking about that same pressure difference within the first 10 meters of water. We want to get down to 6,000 meters of water. You're talking about 10,000 pounds per square inch. You have no GPS, no Wi-Fi. It's fundamentally collect electrically conductive. It's a corrosive environment. It's challenging. And anyone who's ever been out on a, on a ferry or on a vessel in the North Atlantic knows exactly what those ocean conditions can be like. So getting these robots into the water, making them reliable, making them autonomous, making them be able to do their jobs without human intervention is really a core challenge of any ocean technology project, and Ocean Vision is no different. The real challenges behind Ocean Vision are not only deploying these robots and collecting this data, but also analyzing that data and providing information to our different participants in the project. So really showing that companies that are normally, or industry sectors that are normally not communicating with one another, they're not collaborating between oil and gas and, and commercial fishing and government agencies, showing them that we can collect all of this data and you can use the same data, survey once and repurpose many times. So many times there's fishing companies working in the same areas as energy companies, whether it's cable, underwater power cables, or whether it's oil and gas exploration, and trying to communicate and collaborate between these entities when they're using different technologies, different systems, different equipment. So what we're showing through Ocean Vision is that we can go out there and we can collect all of this data and repurpose it to all these different groups and different departments uh, at the same time. Ocean Vision was Ocean Supercluster's first project. Now, more than a year into it, what are some of the big milestones to date? So we've achieved a number of, of major milestones uh, over the past 18 months of the project, and we have a number uh, to look forward to as well. Of course, in the beginning of the project, there was a significant amount of design and engineering work uh, to build and uh, field some of our first robotic systems. Our catfish uh, underwater toad uh, synthetic aperture sonar system was the first system deployed within the project. Uh, as part of that, we developed and deployed an autonomous launch and recovery system and a tentacle winch, which Andy, you were actually out on the boat with us and able to operate that. So one of the major milestones that we had was being able to autonomously launch and recover the towfish in a significant sea state on board one of our, our own vessel, the Ocean Seeker, uh, in and around Halifax, doing that safely, doing that remotely without any human in interaction and human involvement, really drilling down into getting that big green button that we get to push to make it uh, easy to launch and easy to recover this system. Because that's really the, the highest risk to any ocean technology, no matter how hardened and robust it might be, launching that and recovering it is one of the major uh, challenges and, and impediments to, to this technology. So being able to do that safely and efficiently was a major, major milestone for us. Uh, the upcoming work that we're doing this year, we have two campaigns planned for this year. Uh, and we're going to be deploying later this year our autonomous underwater vehicles and doing simultaneous operations. So we'll be towing our catfish system on the vessel while also having an AUV in the water or multiple AUVs in the water, depending on where we're working, 
uh, surveying at the same time. So that really gives us that force multiplication factor when we're talking about the volume of data that we're able to collect. Thank you. And as you mentioned um, last summer, I was invited to uh, to go on board Kraken's Ocean Seeker, and the highlight certainly was getting to press the button. And as you mentioned, success is the number of uh, launches equaling the number of recoveries. So I'm very happy to say that that the catfish came back. Uh, but what really struck me that day was the enthusiasm and the energy of the team and how diverse their backgrounds were, ranging from recent grads to seasoned mariners. Can you tell us about the growth of Kraken's team and the various skill sets you're looking for? So Kraken has experienced a significant amount of growth over the past 18 months, both within the scope of the Ocean Vision Project and also outside the scope of the Ocean Vision Project in support of some of our other programs and customer deliverables. Uh, within Ocean Vision alone, we've added 25 personnel, high-quality personnel, just in the past 18 months within the scope of that project. And we expect we have openings on our website. We expect to, to be filling another 10 to 12 positions uh, within the scope of this year just as part of that program. So one of the really exciting parts uh, of working with this team and working with these different individuals are everyone not only is, is skilled and, and very capable and very intelligent, all the personnel that we have, but the enthusiasm and the passion that people have for working in this, in this challenging environment is really exciting. And getting out there and actually getting the engineers and the technicians who have designed and built the equipment, getting them out in the field and actually being able to operate the equipment, not only is it really satisfying to be able to see this technology being deployed, but it also closes a critical feedback loop in the design cycle, which allows our engineers and our technicians to actually see how things work in the field and capture all of that feedback immediately and bring it back. So our products and our technologies, just through this project, being deploying all of these systems, our technologies are actually getting better every time we take it to sea. We've got software developers on the boat who are connected to more software developers back on shore who are constantly reporting bugs and issuing new fixes and simulating different test environments. And we have the engineers who've built the launch and recovery system, watching how it's working offshore, watching what happens in these different sea states and on the vessel, and able to, to capture all of that uh, design feedback and bring it back into their, into their design loop. So the next system that we put out, or the next even the next time we take it to sea, we end up with a, a better system, a better product, and a better technology. Well, you certainly made it look easy, but I imagine a tremendous number of hours and effort put in from your, across your team to uh, to develop the launch and recovery system. That was certainly the coolest thing that I've done in my job so far, I have to say. Uh, what's the coolest thing you've done? Any surprises along the way? So there's been a lot of very cool achievements, uh, both in my career and, and within the scope of this project. Uh, I was lucky enough to be involved in the search for the HMS Erebus in the Arctic in 2014, uh, and which was successfully located. Uh, I was lucky enough again to be part of the search for the Avro Aero uh, models uh, in Lake Ontario in 2017, which we located two of those models. And it's really a testament to the, to the quality of the engineering team and the capabilities of the technology that we're able to positively identify these things on, on the seabed. Um, one of the experiences that we've had uh, within the scope of this project actually is deploying the, the catfish system. 
and being able to live stream data back to shore and showing some of our customers and some of our partners within the project in real time the types of imagery that we're able to get, collecting that two centimeter resolution pixel imagery across the seabed. There was one particular example uh, in the early stages of the project, there was a, a wreck that was located just outside of Halifax Harbor. And we were working very closely with the Canadian Hydrographic Service at that point in time. They supplied us with the multi-beam data uh, of, that, uh, of that wreck. And then we actually had some of their personnel on the vessel with us as we took the catfish out for an engineering trial and decided to go over this, this wreck location. Uh, at the time, it was suspected that the wreck was the HMCS Esquimalt, which is the last Canadian warship sunk during the war. Uh, so the, we looked at the, the bathymetry data and it's, it's kind of like looking at a cloud and you're squinting and you're saying, oh, well, yeah, maybe it's a ship. Uh, it's definitely man-made. There's something there that uh, it's not a geological feature. So we went out there with the catfish system and when we went over the wreck, everybody's there watching the big screen, streaming the data in, in anticipation. And as soon as we went over it, and this is an image I've shown in many of my presentations. As soon as we went over it, immediately it was apparent it definitely wasn't a warship. So as much as there was a little bit of disappointment there, we were also very excited because we were able to immediately identify this as it was a barge, essentially. An 80-meter long barge and an uncharted barge at that point. Uh, so there was no record of it that we could find. But the value of the technology, I think, demonstrated itself right there, uh, that we were able to not only get that high quality imagery, but we're also generating the bathymetry at the same time. So we can turn around and hand that data back over to the hydrographic service and help inform the next generation of charts that they'll be producing. So that was a that was a pretty cool moment to have those guys out there with us and, and watch the looks on their faces when they're seeing the, the types of imagery that we're generating out there. So Dave, as, as we know, COVID has impacted every aspect of our lives over the past year. What has it meant for this project just as it was really ramping up? How did you adapt? So COVID has had an impact on everyone's business in, in all industries, and the impact has uh, occurred in ways that we couldn't possibly predict at the time. Between supply chain delays, personnel uh, not being able to move people back and forth, even uh, when the travel restrictions were in place, normally between Nova Scotia and Newfoundland, we would bring people back and forth for various sea trials and things like that. Uh, unfortunately, with the COVID restrictions, that meant that in our spring campaign of last year, 2020, uh, we weren't able to bring over the engineering team to be able to support the sea trials. So that forced us to uh, develop a few different technologies to develop some new training to retrain some of the personnel we had in Halifax already to get them trained up on how to actually run the catfish system very very quickly and I was very happy to see that uh, that the ease of use of the technology people picked it up very quickly but also you know necessity is the mother of invention and our software development team uh, implemented a number of different systems and programs in place to allow for remote control and remote operation of the system. So the personnel on board had full support from all of our operators and our field technicians who were based in Newfoundland, sitting in their homes, dialed into the system. They're able to remotely launch the fish, remotely recover the fish, monitor all the data coming through, and help the team on board understand what they were seeing and really uh, able to operate that system very efficiently. So that allowed us to actually go through two sea acceptance tests with two different catfish systems uh, it, within the span of a couple of months, all through remote support from our, our Newfoundland office. So there's 
there have been some positives coming out of, uh, of COVID for sure. Uh, that uh, remote working capability and remote operations capability has been a, a key one. And as we continue to move forward into more offshore work, uh, getting further, further out into the ocean and doing these types of campaigns, that remote capability is really, really critical because the most expensive thing we can do is put a human out on a vessel out in the middle of the ocean. Looking ahead to warmer weather in the coming weeks and months, what will be the focus for the Ocean Vision project team this summer? So for 2021, Ocean Vision has two campaigns planned, one in the spring and one in the fall. Uh, our spring campaign should be kicking off in, in late May and continuing on through June. Uh, we're going to be doing some mapping in and around uh, Nova Scotia. Uh, we're working with one of our new partners in the project, Amera. So we'll be doing some mapping of the Maritime Link, the power cable that goes between Nova, Nova Scotia and Newfoundland. We'll be looking into some scallop beds uh, and doing some habitat mapping for that as well. And we're going to be deploying uh, later this year our autonomous underwater vehicles as well. We have three vehicles by the end of this year that we'll be deploying, uh, one shallow man portable vehicle and two deep water vehicles, uh, one of which has the ability, the, the endurance and the capacity, battery capacity to be able to actually survey the entire link from Nova Scotia to Newfoundland and back on a single charge without any human involvement. So we're really excited. We feel the project is, in terms of the equipment and the capabilities being deployed, we're really starting to hit our pace and, uh, and getting these systems out in the field. But not only that, because of the data we've collected within the scope of the project so far, now we're really starting to unlock the data analytics portion of our project. And we're engaging with a wide variety of, of SMEs, uh, both locally here in, in Nova Scotia and, uh, and throughout Canada as well, to help us analyze the data, develop new algorithms to analyze the data, and really starting to extract information from that data. So even things like looking at change detection, centimetric change detection of habitats in the offshore environment. We're seeing changes season to season, and we're seeing changes year to year. So being able to ground truth that with some of our academic partnerships and being able to say, is this normal environmental or seasonal change, or is this the impact of fishing or habitat changes? And coupling that with things like uh, ocean temperature monitoring as well. Of course, we're collecting temperature data and salinity data and all these other factors at the same time while we're out there doing this mapping. So we're really excited for, for this year and, and really unlocking the, the true potential of this project. Dave, I wanna thank you for spending some time with us today to share some of the work happening behind the scenes at Ocean Vision and what is really a great Canadian innovation story. Great, thanks very much for having me, Andy. And I'm really excited to, to see the next phase of this project and to connect with some of your listeners here. Today, we were talking to David Shea of Kraken Robotics about the latest on the Ocean Vision project. Thank you to our listeners for joining us for a deeper dive this week, exploring ocean supercluster projects that are built on solving global challenges in ocean technology with Made in Canada solutions. This wraps up episode four of A Deeper Dive, and I invite you to join us back here in two weeks for the next podcast where my colleague Rob Barton will speak with Don Grant of the Ocean Startup Project for A Deeper Dive. Thanks everyone, stay safe. <laughs>